0: episode 173, building out your office space. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, and today we'll hear Steve Anderson's perspective. Join 2017 and 18 podcast awards-nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? It's 2021 it's march the vaccines are rolling out like crazy hopefully in the next few months life will get back to normal but that is not what we're talking about today but today we're going to talk about a guy that has 30 years experience building out dental offices like a thousand of them okay and when you build out that many clinics you're going to have to talk to a lot of dentists and other medical professions like he did other ones as well but you got to ask all these kind of questions like what kind of flow do you want what's your style you want rich you want middle class Etc. He's taught classes in dental schools, I guess, on business and things like this. Got a lot of good information, not just on how should you lay it out and blueprints and all of that, but also you know some practice advice and some definitely some real world advice because he's had bankruptcy. He had a um, marriage that was almost gone, but now they were able to stay the course for 40 years. Really good marriage. That's at the end of the episode, of course. And he took all his information and he wrote a 300-page book and I made a post about this uh, a while back on all the social medias. This book is Great. It's big. It's hardcover. It's got a jacket. I'm okay. Okay. It's full color and it's color-coded per section So Steve has spent some money to even get this thing printed. I would know I printed books in color. So um, uh, He he went all out on this thing and there's lots of blueprints and all these cool things and he sent it to me in Germany from America. I got it in like two weeks. So normally people just send the book to my house in America and I get it later on. So I really want to say thank you so much for uh, getting me a copy of this book. It ain't cheap. It's not a cheap book. You cannot get it on Amazon. You have to go to dreamdentalpractice.net to, to get it. And there's you know kind of a sales page of like why you would want it and everything. So uh, it's, it's an investment book. Um, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money so that you can get all this good information, and if you like the interview, you can understand like the heart this guy has to have spent the time to write it and get it so professionally edited and printed and everything. So um, I, I don't get any commissions on it, just that I got a copy of the book that I am uh, started to read, and I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So one quick plug, if you want books that people have recommended on the show, just go to a doctorsperspective.net list. And all the recommendations are there. Even the podcast gear that I recommend is on there. There's a little bit of commission, of course, uh, if you purchase it through my link. And that's, of course, going to support the show and we appreciate it. And I say thank you again. Recently, I've had some guests say positive things about me and about like asking about marriage and vacation. And they're, they're happy to talk about that because normally it's just all business. Steve Anderson had this to say about me and my hosting, and it just made me feel good. I just wanted you guys to hear it as well.
1: Well, you, you, you do a great job of engaging and uh, keeping the excitement going. And uh, sometimes you kind of wonder if the, the host is still there. <laughs>
0: All the show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 173. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Cologne, Germany, and Arizona, today on the podcast, we've got a great guest. It's a little bit unconventional because he specializes in building dental offices. Of course, a bunch of other types of medical, but a thousand, a thousand offices. So over the last two decades or even three decades, almost, he's compiled a book from all the tips he's gotten from himself, from building, from all these dentists he's had to work with and accommodate. And he wrote a book called Dental Ease, and I'm just so happy to have him on the show. Just share the things that he's learned through a lifetime, and hopefully we can avoid some mistakes when we're buying equipment, when we're building out, and all those things. So please welcome to the show Steve Anderson.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciate having me.
0: Well, I'm excited because – I was listening to a dental podcast and he, for like a year or two or something, he was always talking about he was building another place because his lease was coming up. He's going to have like six or eight chairs, as they say. And so his goal was to have lots of dentists doing cash base and all this kind of stuff. And even after he built it, I think he already was just like, oh, dang it. <laughs> he already, like I think, made some mistakes and things. So Boy, where do you even start sometimes? Where do, you, where do you normally start when you're having to have a conversation about a build-out? Or even if you should even build versus rent space, buy real estate instead, where should we start?
1: I have general dentists, dentists, uh, chiropractors, medical practitioners, surgery center uh, come to me. And a lot of times the question is the same. So what, now what? You know, We've got the basic floor plan. What do I do now? Who do I talk to? What's the process What's first, you know, and all that triggered with me when I uh, started compiling this back in 97. Basically, I realized as I started compiling the the book that there is a process. And uh, the biggest part that I found and what you just shared, Justin, is Mm -hmm. typical and not uncommon for so many medical practitioners is they end up where they don't want to be. They end up with, I I had an office yesterday, uh, no, Friday, and I was meeting with a group practice and one, it was a corporate industry and, and they had all the corporate people on the meeting. And as we were talking, the dentist was there and I knew the dentist had shared a couple of things. I'm looking at the floor plan and I'm going, this doesn't work. Hmm. And I just asked some pointed questions and I said, Doctor, are you going to get frustrated going into the two different rooms and the chairs on the left on one side and the chair on the right on the other? And he says, that drive the heck out of it. You know, it just I go crazy. I go stir crazy and I hate it. And I said, well, that's what your practice is. And then also you have just a single entry and you told me how important a dual entry is. And we started having that discussion and understand this was after an hour already being on the phone call. And they talked about everything else, but they didn't talk about what was most important. What was most important is the design and flow. And then but first, nobody asked the doctor what was important.
0: Well, they know better.
1: Then you have to go back even a little farther. And so how do you find out what's important to the doctor? And recently realized it's really about who are you? You know, like mm-hmm. the old song from the who, who are you? And what's interesting is once you take the time to really dissect who you are and what's important to you and set your priorities and all those things, all this other stuff comes together real easy. There's a lot of other important things to know, but it's a big, big issue really understanding, you know, that, that saying of know thyself and it really becomes very powerful as you move forward. But that is the first single step. And, you know, it's, you know, I have a, A little uh, thing that's called four steps of building a profitable practice of your dreams. And that's the first step.
0: When we're talking about what do we want? Are we saying like as a dentist, you want an open room? You want multiple chairs in a, in a big long stretch?
1: Actually, no, you know, that's, that's, it's even before that, you know, knowing thyself really, that's part of the vision part, but knowing thyself is really understanding. Are you one? That you work well with people, or are you going to be a signal practitioner? Are you okay? Group practice are you uh, one that enjoys a fast pace or a slow pace? Are you one that uh, is methodical? You want to take time for your patients, or not? Is it are you someone that really uh, values quality of care, or are you quite frankly
0: just about the money? So, all of that's going to play into the build out,
1: yeah? Absolutely, you know, are you. Are you the kind of person that really wants to appear affluent and, and you want an office ostentatious or you want an office that's medium or something? I've, I've had offices that uh, literally I wouldn't personally do, but the design level is probably what I call almost bottom entry level. And they exploded and did extreme, extremely well. Why is that? Because they knew themselves, they knew the client, they knew the, where they were going, and they knew what they were about. So they designed the office accordingly. They didn't build it on what someone had across the street. They designed it on what was important to them.
0: Yeah, that's true, because if you wanted the high-end patient with the high-end procedures versus you're someone who maybe is like, look, I deal with affordable people who can barely – you know, right. they, they only get what they need. They don't need as many flashy things. They're just like, is it clean? Is it pretty? Yeah, okay.
1: That's exactly it. And – so it, what's really interesting is we'll jump to the payoff is you build to that level, that level of who you are. And it's a proven fact in the dental community. What happens is that is a 34% return for two years average nationally.
0: How you build your clinic
1: that that means if you go from a, you're an existing practice and you're tired of the space and you move to a new practice or you do a major renovation, you're going to have a 34% return and people say, how can that be? And I've had some that have exceeded that into the 50, 60%. I've had wow. people that have over a hundred new patient referrals a month. I had one doctor that we did last year that was getting 40 to 60 new patients a month. He had no time to advertise where he was spending four five, $6,000 a month in advertising <laughs> before.
0: <laughs> That's great. Roll that into the, uh, the build out cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quicker.
1: You, you think of the return, Justin, you know, that, that, and that's where people skip that first step.
0: Yeah, it's like an afterthought. It's like, and I don't know, there's a difference too, I would think. If you're new, out of school, where you have no money versus you've been working, you got, you earned your ropes, you have some money, you have some capital to to start your own place where you're like, all right, the bank will loan me money. Now, how much should I spend? How much could I spend? Because <laughs> you can do a million or you can pro- – I mean, I think a dental office is only so cheap you can get because you have to run so much pipes and all that kind of stuff, but.
1: Yeah. And typically in the United States, the a dental office will cost, you know, $30, $40 a square foot more than a medical practice, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, just a, a MD or whether it's chiropractic or whatever.
0: That's a higher price. That's right there. 30 or 40 more a square foot.
1: That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, but you talk about those new doctors coming out of school, whether it's a doctor or, or a dentist and they have a lot of debt what's interesting is people uh in the book i outline how to create a budget well most people do have this conversation they go i want to do an office so they go to the lender and the lender says okay how much you want and then they, they come back and say well how much are you giving <laughs> you know but there there's a small equation missing that equation is is you need to do a budget and that's one thing i provide in the book is a budget to help you and it has a little checklist, you know, did, does it include signage? Does it include furniture? You know, does it include TVs? Does it include, you know, your washer and dryer and, and all these miscellaneous things? And then it lists the equipment. And what happens so often is they, as you go do a practice, that one of the biggest stress points is they forget. You forget about what else is there? And and then you have this question, am I getting everything? And then, and then your stress goes up. Am I including in everything? And what surprises am I, am I going to have? And the form just helps you break that down to get rid of that concern.
0: I've always noticed there's always more $99 a month recurring fees or the <laughs> something breaks and it's $300 here. And, three, and you're like, how is my overhead always so high? Yes. And what happened? <laughs> and every month it's something else. Yeah.
1: And But, you know, coming back to that budget, what happens is I've literally had dentists that I've gone through the budget or a medical practice go through the budget. We get down to the very bottom and we come up with a number. And sometimes they look at me, one sticks in my mind. He he just had this mouth dropped and goes, good gosh, I can't call for that. (laughs) And And I said, you know what? You need to wait a couple of years and it's Okay. Mm -hmm. but it's far better to make a decision and find that out before you get down to the point where you're started the plans. You've already signed the contract on the lease or the building. And all of a sudden you realize you can't afford it and you go bankrupt. Yeah. So it's, it's called due diligence. And I call the, the breakdown counting the costs because that's really what it is. And it's a simple little process, but even I find lenders don't take the time to do that. They're more interested in, Give me your, you know, your tax statements and give me all your paperwork I need. See if I can get you funded and let's go give you as much money as I can.
0: Yeah, it's called commission. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Before we jump in a little bit more into like the book and some other things, here's the questions that I'll be asking. Reception design, what are some things we should consider? Yes. Maybe some top reasons, maybe why when somebody's going to build out, they end up being unhappy beyond just...
1: Why don't we just jump into them one at a time? Just go for it.
0: Okay, cuz I want to lead into this question for you as well is do you you've built so many do you just have like blueprints that someone can just like pay you a certain amount of money and just like here here's the standard blueprint for this style size shape office that's worked for the last 30 people with the exact same shape or is it always like super customized Does that makes sense?
1: Absolutely. There's no different than the the cabin plans or the house plans that you can find on online and stuff. Um we don't do that. You know, what's interesting out of all the offices I've done, there's not one office that's alike.
0: All right. So there's that. And if
1: it's medical practice, what's it? If it's your medical practice, dental practice, it's uniquely onto your own. Because when we talk about your knowing yourself and your vision, that will critique it a little bit. You're going to have a little different flair, a little different design. You've got a different uh, clientele and every community is just a little bit different and, and unique onto itself besides your own taste.
0: Gotcha. All right, so then let's jump in with what I was referring to, reception design. What are some of the top things we got to consider?
1: Okay, number one is the biggest thing I see is they most offices have it reversed. They have twice the size of the check-in than they need than the checkout. Thank you. That is the single biggest thing that I see is in there. The other thing that's really uh, puts patients and clients in an uncomfortable mode is the situation of having the bathroom in the waiting room.
0: Oh, it's the worst.
1: You know, and there's nothing worse than going to the bathroom and then coming out and having 10 sets of eyes look at you as they uh, hear the sound and smell the smell. Yep. Uh, it, it, what does that do for you, your memory as you go to that practice? It, it doesn't do anything for it. And, you know, back to the reception is uh, also understanding your clientele. If they're older, And if you do bigger cases, you know, there might be some long-term presentations and stuff. Uh, Having a place that people can sit down out of the way but not feel like they're in a closing office at a high-pressure car salesman. Mm -hmm. But being able to sit down comfortably, and, you know, that's typically where we put an office manager behind the reception area that a person can step into that. Or sometimes it's even a sit-down area at the checkout. But be cautious, and understand your clientele. And what I mean by that is I've had some practitioners, they'll put all their checkout as sit down. And I look at them and I go, do you really want to do that? And they say, well, why? Well, this neighborhood is known for they love to talk. They're mm-hmm. retired. They don't have a lot to do. And wow, you give them a chair to sit down and, and pull up much to the fat.
0: Oh, it's done. Yeah. Your $30 <laughs> copay is a 30 minute adventure.
1: Yeah. And all of a sudden you lose sight of the you know, I'm not saying you lose value of the patient, but I'm saying you need to be cost conscious of yourself and your time. Mm-hmm. And and so there's certain situations where you do want to sit down at checkout, but you need to also understand your patients and you need to have stand up for a quick checkout and allow them to leave and uh, just simple little things like that.
0: So you like the idea of having a separate check in versus check out. So it's not on the same
1: in, in this day and age. Uh, it's continually changing. Um, I have one office that is now going to no check out at all. And because it's taken care of in the exam rooms. And so with this day and age of the little card with the chip in it, you know, tap, go and off they go. That I think will increase. And the, the the whole purpose of the check in and with medical, there's so many more so much more paper and stuff like that where uh, you really need to first think about, you know, are you into a bunch of plans in which your patients are going to have to fill out a lot of paperwork and you might need to have a bigger check in. Just to deal with that paperwork, you have one place to sign in and a place for them to come up and get the paperwork and play their deductible or whatever it might be. So every situation is unique, and it's it's having someone that really understands your type of business to help you make those better
0: choices. Hmm. What are some of the reasons you would expect someone to be unhappy with their build out? Even with some of your own past (laughs) clients, what are they a year into it? They're like, oh, I wish we'd have did this differently.
1: Fortunately, I haven't had that happen uh, that I'm aware of, okay. but, but I have heard that issue and I hear it quite often. And the biggest problem is multifold. So one is the medical professional, the doctor, the dentist, whatever comes to the situation. They get ready to start and they're the big idea person and they don't want to be bothered. So they delegate and they say, oh, that architect knows what he's doing, whether he does or doesn't. I don't know. Mm. But they go ahead and just put all their trust in a person. They get it designed. They off they run. And I have an example of that where one practice was completed and he walked into it. And literally I went and visited him. It was about three months later uh, because he was wanting to do a little remodel on an office he just finished and someone else built it and designed it for him. But I walked in and I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, way over the top. I mean, it had like uh seven layers of soffits and it had every corner, even the inside ceilings were radiused and just you name it. And I came around the corner. I saw the doctor sitting in his chair and his head was down and he was dejected. And I said, what's what's going on? And as I talked to him, he says, you know, I have a hard time coming to work. And he says, I can't do this. And he says, I the office is way over the top. My patients, I know my patients feel like they're paying for this. And they were. And but he he had such a bad experience. And why was that? He didn't take the time to be invested at the beginning and set the criteria and set the playing field straight.
0: It was like, here's my budget.
1: And he turned everything over to an architect, designer and let him have his way.
0: Man. Okay, so hopefully everyone who's listening is understanding that you can't just be this hands-off. Yes. Trust your architect, but uh, actually dig in there and ask questions and see a 3D model or a walkthrough these days. There should be enough software where you can have someone design a 3D and you walk through it and you be like, ah, so this is what I would look like every day. This is the flow. Maybe we need to change this. Like you said, left chair, right chair. You could have seen that. (laughs) Is that very easy to do or or at least – you could pay extra to see that?
1: Yes, there, there's always options for that. But besides the doctor being hands-off, another issue I run into is when I see a doctor that doesn't know what they want oh. and and then they, they delegate to the wrong person. And that's part of the steps of success that I talk about is, you know, the accountable professional. You know, there's different types of professionals. Basically, I had a hard lesson myself is, and it's called, blind trust or earned trust. Mm. That lesson was early on in my business, I, I took off and I was this naive uh, general contractor and off I go and and I thought I knew what I was doing and I just hired this gal because she was a great motherly type and she even had sewing bees with my female employees and spouses and, and she embezzled in fraud and forgery and falsified checks, falsified my tax returns and put me in bankruptcy. Oh, no. I say that very loud and clear. You know, I bounced back from it. And I'm very thankful my wife hung in there with me. But the biggest issue was it came down to blind trust. I put blind trust into this lady and I put everything I had into uh, her. And and, and I, hate, I had to ask my wife's forgiveness because I trusted her more than my wife. And she didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. And it costs paying.
0: That's wild because you. I know people that do that, too. They, they don't follow up with the books very well. They don't follow the money very well. And then all of a sudden something happens. And yeah. then they finally realize, like, wow, they've been taking three, four, five thousand a month. And that's why I can't pay my bills very well. And everything else is going crappy.
1: Yeah. And I had one doctor that uh, would do a, a session with me over at the dental schools when we teach and on how to sell dentistry. And he shared the story how. He had one day he had a call up to the front desk and there was some DEA and police there.
0: Whoa.
1: And he's going, what's wrong? And he said, we need to go back to your office and talk. Basically, what had happened is he says, we have your signature on 10,000 drug prescriptions and we need to find out what's going on. Whoa. And come to find out the front desk gal and her husband had a little drug ring going on. And what they did is they were really good about they would shred the actual in monthly invoices and just are the individual invoices as they came in and just keep the, uh, the big invoice for the month so you couldn't see what they were for. And then she would help the doctor by just flipping through one at a time the stack and let him initial and sign each one of them. Mm-hmm. And she put it back and mail them and off they go. So it's amazing.
0: Wow. Okay. so really it becomes I think you just have to be you don't have to be a micromanager, but you need to be every month in every aspect of your business so that they know there's some checks and some balances.
1: Yeah, it's a checks and balances. And, you know, so as you go through this process, it's really a hiring professional That are accountable. And one, that means when you're first hiring them, it's not necessarily, it shouldn't be based on how much they charge because sometimes they might be the best price, but sometimes they might be the most expensive. Sometimes they're in the middle, but you're really after what kind of service are they providing and what kind of value do they have? And then also as you're asking questions, are they giving you options or are they just shaking their head? Yes, at everything you say. Get rid of them right away if they're just saying yes to everything you say. If they're not giving options, you know, you don't want them. If if they're someone that are they more about your wallet or giving you ways to save money and, and make better choices. Yeah. You know, simple little things.
0: Very important. Well, I want to make sure we respect your time. I, I looked at something. It was called the Fists of Success. What is that?
1: Well, a uh, while back. I was just thinking of all the clients I've had and the ones that didn't get it. And what I mean by that is they wanted to do something and they were having a hard time making it happen. They were having a hard time qualifying. They were having a hard time just making ends meet or what have you. And I came up with Fists for Success. And uh, basically, it's five things. So basically, when I first meet with a client, there would always be one or two that it's literally like having fists up and there was a barrier between us and them. And I'm going, what is that? Well, what's interesting is as you go through these and you have your hands closed and the first one is F for FICA score. This day and age, the FICA score uh, is very important in keeping your ratings up and ideally around 720 or more. And then the the second is uh, the I for intelligent spending. Lord knows we all need help with that, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's, you know, you talk about that new uh, person coming out of school and they have all this debt for a dentist right now. It's not uncommon to have three or $400,000 or more in debt.
0: And I'm sure they have lots of shiny objects that they can purchase that will promise them they'll save their financial future (laughs) if they buy it.
1: So, you know, we, we talk about that intelligent spending and what I remind them is what's interesting in the dental and in the medical practice uh for lending is if you do things in the right sequence. You go get your first job and you get this big check, what do I do with it? Oh, let's go buy a big car or nice car and let's go buy a big house. And what you do do is save some money and just keep making payments. They don't want you to pay off your school debt immediately. What they're wanting is just see that regular You know, you're making good conscious choice decisions, decisions. And then, you know, the, the third is S for satisfying your passion. I see people in all types of practices and businesses and they're not in it for the right reasons. The reason should be it's your passion. It's what God made you for and just truly enjoy what you do. And you should thoroughly enjoy that process. And if you do, everything else comes easy. you enjoy the extra time investment, you know, that you put into things. And, and then the T is for time. And then what happens, you notice my hands opening up is uh, time for relationships. So it's not only your family, but also time for your patients is getting to know them and having little systems built within your records that, you know, you can figure out and you remember Tom's name or Sam's Samantha's name and, And that they were the only child and they just had a baby last week and you know, whatever it might be, be able to connect with them. And that's what it's about is basically it's not the program of selling, it's about relationships and that's the higher return for you. And then the last is savings, and all of a sudden your hands open, and that savings that we kind of lended uh indicated earlier is you know, saving forty-fifty thousand dollars. Uh, to be able to have money for the incidentals and the unknowns, because they always happen, and that's what a lender's looking for. Especially is, you know, they want to make sure you have a little nest egg set aside just in case something comes up. You know, some of the lenders will give you 100% financing still right now in in some of the markets. And what's interesting is. I've seen people do it the wrong way where they got the big, they, I just literally had this happen two weeks ago where a practitioner had just purchased their house and they put $200,000 cash down on it to reduce their mortgage. And I'm thinking, oh, and they couldn't get a loan for their new wow. office. And they already owned the office building, but they wanted to do a build up, but they couldn't get money to do a build up because they're cash poor.
0: Oh yeah, that's true because you gave up all your cash yeah. and you still got if that it, monthly... It,
1: and and money, what the cost of money is so, so low right now is if you had taken and just made that extra payment, that $200,000, you think about what that is in a payment, it's next to nothing comparatively. And if you would apply that or just instead, he's going to go forward with his office, but he's not going to be able to do the new equipment that he wanted. Instead, he's going to have to get used equipment for the first couple of years until he can afford to get some new equipment.
0: Boy, it's hard to find someone to talk – even like your accountant sometimes. They're not always equipped with the uh, the best tax savings or like – you almost have to have like your investment broker and your accountant working together or somehow yeah. and just be like, okay, I have $200,000 of cash that's burning a hole in my pocket. Where's the best way to spend it? or not so that yeah. I can make take advantage of every opportunity to make this money work for me instead of blindly just doing what this person did
1: that's and that's such great advice justin because what happens is most uh, most cpas are history driven and then you know the where you have your financial planner he's about trying to reap the future and and help you make good choices and it's getting them both on the same page and and helping
0: with that process. And we've had interviews with um CP, oh, what are they called?
1: Certified public accountants, or you're, yeah, you're that
0: way they're about? your fiduciaries. Oh yes. That way, you know, if you don't know what fiduciary is, they they have to do what's in your best interest. So typically, you have to pay them a fee instead of like a percentage of your investments. So yeah. it's a little bit different than just somebody at Fidelity or Vanguard or something, but yeah. they have to serve your best interest, not theirs.
1: And I highly recommend that, you know, it costs, what appears to be costing you money really can make you so much more money. And then it's not tied to anything Mm -hmm. where if the, if you're just letting them, you're, you you do not have to pay any money up front and they're investing for you, but usually they're going to do things where they get a double kickback and other things that work to their best interest, not necessarily to your
0: best interest. I had a guy do that and then he switched companies and I started a new guy. He's like, why are you in this fund? I was like, well, da, 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 he goes, you know, afterwards, you're like, I kind of feel like a bad feeling about this, but like, I got to write it out for a few years. So the guy's like, yeah, I think you, I think you got bamboozled. And I contacted the guy and he's like, well, I got three kids in private school, man. I was like, wow, that was your answer. Like, I should report you to the commission. Like that was insane answer. Oh my
1: God. And he said that out loud?
0: <laughs> On a text. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was just so, I was so shocked. I was like, wow, you can't even pretend to lie. Oh, my gosh. So that's shame bad. on me. He, he convinced me to uh, change my original idea. So now I am obviously a scorned human being when I talk to financial advisors sometimes. <laughs> I have to remember to calm down. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but we all have those that history. And, and that's where, you know, we it's about making better choices and uh, that earned trust.
0: Well, speaking about. Bad decisions and redemption. We, we, on our pre-talk, we were, we were talking about a, a bad marriage that turned into one of the best marriages you could possibly imagine. So what is your tips so that we can keep our love alive and not uh, be divorced?
1: Uh, I'd love that. You know, I, I love my wife dearly, and she has put up with a lot. The first 15 years uh, of our marriage, it was about me. And uh, I uh, finally got off the ladder and, and off the podium and and realized that it's two of us. And it was about give and take. But really, the biggest single thing was just learning what was important to her and a point in case. You know, when we we go on a little trip or something, uh, when I finally realized that I used to always I love to go take pictures and go travel and and I'm off early mornings and stuff. So, but I realized she loves to sit in the morning and talk and uh, not talk, a sit and have her coffee and relax. So I go off early morning and then come back and have a coffee for her and, and help her. And then we do what she's interested in. But the biggest, uh, some of the biggest things is taking time for each other. And at least once a week we do something together. And once a month we even go do an overnighter still. And we've been married 43 years. Mm. And, you know, it's the time investment and also little things of taking the time to write a note, taking the time to tell in front of other people that you love your wife, tell your your spouse that uh, daily that you love them, hold their hands and and do the old gentleman type of thing of opening doors and being gracious. It, It all comes down to just. Being uh, a good person, you know, and helping them excel and find out what they love to do and and plan for some of those events. And
0: uh, are those hard conversations to have, trying to discover what your spouse likes?
1: At first, they're very conscious, cautious, I should say. You know, when you'll have to understand that at 15 years of marriage, my wife had had it and was ready to take our three children and walk out the door.
0: It's a low spot.
1: And she says, I I just can't do this anymore. And I finally woke up. I dropped what I was doing. And I literally, figuratively and literally turned around and said, okay, you have my attention. I'm sorry. I need to do something here. And we went to a counselor. And that scared the heck out of me because I remember the days, I don't know if you remember Bob Newhart, but there's people that went to counseling for their life. And I'm thinking, I don't wanna go forever. We went ten times. The ninth time we took our children, and that was an eye opener because I saw what the how I was teaching my wife how that greatly hurt our children on how they acted. They they did a little role play where they took each child gotta take and create a family portrait, and then they placed themselves in the picture.
0: Oh, I don't wanna see that.
1: Talk about taking a knife and putting it in your heart.
0: Yeah, that'd be brutal.
1: And but it was a, such a powerful eye opener. And then the last one we went to and it was just so releasing by having a good counselor just to help us talk about. It's not about what you did wrong. It's not, It's just creating new processes that you can work in and make life better. Mm-hmm. Because really, divorce isn't better, you know. <laughs> You know, I, I see people get divorced, and I don't know how they live through that hell. And it's so nice to have someone cover your back and someone be there for you, and uh, you know, always really care and want the best for you. It it means the world. It's such a gift.
0: One of the things I do is is uh, show the not just show appreciation by like buying flowers and things because I know she likes them, but um, just telling her on a regular like the things that I appreciate that she does because right now she's kind of. The housewife, when we're were in Germany, and so it's easy to feel taken advantage of when you come home from work, and you're like talking about how much you appreciate what she's doing and cooking and having dinner prepared. You know, you don't have to deal with that when you come home. Yeah, those little mundane things that matter so much if if you're not having to do them, but somebody is.
1: And and really, uh, there's a book called The Love Languages or something like that. Love it. And every everyone has a different love language, and some of it's gifts. And some of it's doing things for each other. And but it's really understanding what it is that makes your wife sing. What is it for my wife? She shows her love by cooking. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened to me is I was always working and I was always missing supper. So what did that oh. tell me? That doesn't she doesn't. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and so I made a commitment to, all, you know, I'd always be home by this hour. And, and then for the, the exception was I, if someone wanted to meet late, what was interesting is I'd make a phone call and I'd say, excuse me. I need to make a phone call and get permission. Uh, will that be okay? But I made that very few and far between. And then really I found that people wanted to meet in the evenings and stuff like that. And I just said, you know what? I've, I started, you know, four or five in the morning and. If I'm not done by six, we need to figure out another time. But what's so interesting is what's I've found in the professionals' life is usually I would get people say, Well, let's meet tonight at seven. And I'd say, Well, I can't. And then how I'd say, How about first thing in the morning? Oh well, gosh, you know, my first patient's at nine. And I'm thinking, Okay, we could do seven or eight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a breakfast you know, or do you take a lunch hour or something like that but it was interesting is it's also self-worth for not only for yourself but also for your spouse and protecting your time mm-hmm. and the same thing goes for weekends you know a lot of the first things are well it's let's meet in the weekend to get this office going or doing that and i started cutting those off i'm going you know there's you know, I, I do about average of 60, 65 hours a week. And there should be plenty of time to meet between those hours.
0: Yeah, because is the dentist going to be cutting off at four o'clock so he can come see you? Uh, no, like, oh, no, I gotta see patients till six. All right, well, I'm the same way. Like, respect my time if you expect me to respect your time.
1: And actually, what I've found in the professional world is usually if a client doesn't, repre- uh, doesn't value your time, they're not going to value their time. or And and with that being said, are they a client that you want?
0: Exactly. I guess this is maybe a little bit off the, I always enjoyed the breakfast because, well, I guess I didn't have a kid at that point either. So it wasn't like I was missing the time before school. But when you go early, it, hey, they started, you know, you have a, a finite amount of time. You're not going to be getting drunk. You're not going to have a drink. It's just Let's get the job done. You know what I mean? We, got to, we only got 35 minutes. We're going to eat our eggs and bacon, and then we got to go. So it's more productive, it seems, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's where typically, you know, meeting right before you see patients or right at lunchtime. Actually, there's a lot to be said for time usage because you're more proactive in making sure the important things are covered and always do the most difficult and the biggest issues at hand first.
0: Absolutely. That's one thing I like. You ever heard of B&I? No. Uh, it's a business networking international. It's a bunch of businesses get together once a week and pass referrals and all this kind of stuff. And they always typically, well, I guess a lot of them do breakfasts and some do lunch, but that was like my routine. You get up, you're out there at like 630 because it was a 90-minute meeting. It was stu- it was a struggle sometimes, but it really it play, played out well because you'd get referrals, you'd build all these relationships, and uh, you, after a while, you actually look forward. That early meeting with all these different people. Yeah. Just part of your week. So, okay, so let's see. What was the book called? Let everybody know.
1: Uh, It's called Dental Ease. It's on Amazon? No, it's uh, sold online. It's called DreamDentalPractice.net, DreamDentalPractice.net, it tells you all about it. Or you can go on my uh, website for Denco Dental Construction, Denco Dental Construction, it has a link for it also.
0: And you still work. So you're, you still building these uh, out for people or,
1: you know, I'm very blessed. I am. I, uh, I love what I do. I'm also blessed to have my oldest son started back with me about uh, eight years ago as a grunt. And he's worked his way up to uh, project manager, superintendent, and he oversees the field. And but every, I meet with clients still. and, and I, I, interact with all the critical uh, points of the project and I'm just very blessed.
0: Nationwide?
1: Nope. we I limit it to Arizona. Oh, that's
0: really? really?
1: That's why I wrote the book is I realized I could not be there for everyone and I wanted to give help dentists and practitioners make good choices and uh, save them lots of time, money, and effort and not have to redo things and be excited about the practice of their dreams.
0: The premise of the show is I might be a chiropractor, but I can hear a dentist talk and implement and critically think about what they're talking about and, and make it work for myself. Could a chiropractor, or physical therapist read this book and really be like, OK, I can make those yeah. jumps and those leaps so that I don't make the same mistakes?
1: It's uh, There's just a couple minor tweaks. Uh, my daughter scolds me for not having a medical version out yet because it's so, they're so similar. I, I guess I could call it doctoreses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, there was a podiatrist. He wrote a business book and it was, you know, he's like, I make some, I sell, but it's not like that, you know, big deal. He switched it to podiatry and tweaked it a little bit. And he goes 10 times as many sales because it have, it has that niche podiatry. He's like, it's practically the same book. He's like, in fact, I think the other book is better. <laughs> <But he's> like, <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, yeah. Niching down was the, was one of the best things I could have done. And I was like, okay, okay. So at least you have that going for you already.
1: Well, and, and but, you know, you hit a great topic as far as you go into business. You should constantly be seeing what works and what doesn't work for me. For myself, that means originally I was building uh, residential and commercial and industrial and hazardous and strip centers and you name it. I'm going, ah, and then I got rid of all the residential and then I got rid of all the uh, everything non-medical dental and then I got rid of the ground ups and I just focus on tenant improvements and, and remodeling.
0: I like that. You know, I think you, you did it the way you have to do it sometimes is you have to figure it out the hard way, the long way. But at the same time, like you figured out what it was and then you just went all in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and now and, it's been decades. Yeah. yeah it's uh, Thank you for putting emphasis on that part. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we all have to listen to that sometimes. You just can't graduate and be like, bam, I'm going to be this. You're like, ah, maybe you should like, you know, master your general dentistry before you just do implants, you know?
1: (laughs) When, when I speak at like dental colleges and stuff, I've, I've found that, uh, there's typically only one or 2% of the, those in attendance that are really ready to go out and do an office right out of school. Mm hmm. And the same way I find that there's typically that same percentage for uh, those that like conflict. And that's a real important issue as they get started in businesses. There's so many that don't like conflicts. And it ends up to the, some of the problems we've talked about is they get sucked into things and sold things that they don't want because they don't know how to avoid the conflict or uh, say no.
0: And there's definitely books out there that you can read. Yeah, yes, there is. <laughs> do you ever do you recommend any? Um,
1: you know, the one I've, I'm just rereading is Dale Carnegie, just how to win friends and anyway, how to win friends and something. But it, it's such a good reread on just uh, the basic principles of what are powerful things that can make a difference in your life to impact others and your your future success.
0: It's a great book. Well, Steve Anderson, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. DreamDentalPractice.net or DencoDentalConstruction.com with the book Dental Ease. I really appreciate everything you brought to the table today, and I really do hope that um, make some sales, of course, but also people take what you said and implement it into their, own planet, into their own clinic and life.
1: That's really what it's about, Yeah, making a difference. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Justin.
0: Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a Linktree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top Episodes of 2017 and 2018, the Podiatry Series, Dentist Acupuncture Series, Holiday 2017, Financial Series, How to Write a Review, How to Support the Show, like Buying a Cup of Coffee, Getting Swag, like T shirts, The Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise picking food correctly and financial, and then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pen at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight and the Prolone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet 5-Day Plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc., reach out. Facebook, Justin Trostclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's Learn
1: stories
0: of success. Avoid struggle. did that